Welcome to the Stepping Into Greatness podcast. I am Rebecca Cross and I am a business success and motivational strategist. I work with aspiring female entrepreneurs who are ready to be held accountable and be motivated to step into their greatness working with high ticket clients. This is a platform where you listen to some of the most inspirational women around the world who are on that journey of making their dreams a reality and continue to do so at every level. We talk about motivation, mindset, adversity, entrepreneurial success as a woman and for some as a mum. But most of all, we talk about how anything is possible. And today I am interviewing the amazing Rachel Todd. Rachel has made a full-time career in the mindset, health and wellness industry. She's the owner of RKT Consulting, which focuses on educating women with one-on-one coaching and group coaching and retreats. Um, And she's also just returned from the U.S. Pageant? Did I say that right, Rachel? The Miss United States pageant. Mm -hmm. That's it. Um, So how exciting is that? Rachel, welcome. So thank you for coming on this show. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I, I'm so grateful for interviews. They, I find that they really help me to reflect and to grow. And um, it's not often that we get asked thought-provoking questions that cause us to reevaluate and to really to dig in and turn the mirror around on ourselves. So thank you for having me. Oh, no, no, please. It's a pleasure. And you're so right. You're absolutely spot on. And, I, and actually, that brings me to my first question, actually. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like we planned this. It's like we've like rehearsed it. Um, but no, I'd love to know, okay, you, I, I looked at your bio when we started introducing, you've, you've done so much. And I'd love to understand, especially where you are now and how you inspire and educate other women out there what's your story where how did you get to where you are right now that's actually a a, a wonderful question and um it's so difficult to put that into a small story because we all know that it does not happen overnight and um I love reading other people's bios. Sometimes it feels a little self-indulgent to tell my own. Um, I love to understand where people have been and I, I want to know like the dark nights, right? I want to know like the crying on the, on the shower floor nights in addition to the victorious moments. So I tend to go towards the, the dark moment um, in order to share how I, how I had transformation, how I grew, how I came out of it. When I was um, growing up, I was always like the awkward redhead, um, long and lanky and didn't really quite fit in. I always hung out with my parents' friends. So my perspective on life, I always, I didn't realize it at the time, but it was a little bit ahead of its time or a bit different. Um, I was an outcast to say the least. And when I was in college, I went through an extremely traumatic time. I was graduating from university and 21 years old, I believe, 21, feeling like I didn't know what I was supposed to do next. And at the same time, my own father had turned 50 years old and was, I don't know what they call it over um, in the UK, but uh, a midlife crisis. And he told my family that he was leaving. I told my mom that he was leaving, that he couldn't handle the responsibility anymore. And um, I remember my mother calling me one day. I was had just been broken up with by my first boyfriend, additionally, which was far less of a traumatic experience than my father. But mm. I remember being in my car, and I had just left the Florida hospital. I was trying to volunteer. My mom had told me to go 
do something for others because I was wallowing in bed. And they had told me they, they didn't need any more volunteers. So I had been denied from the hospital. I was about to graduate college. And I remember she called me on the phone. I was sitting in my car in the parking lot. And she read me an email from my father that was kind of like putting the nail in the coffin that he did not intend on coming back to our family, to our house, um, anything. And I remember she was crying. And I felt in that moment that I had to be strong for her. And I know in hindsight, she regrets um, relying on me as her support system. But I know now that she was quite embarrassed by everything that was happening. And she didn't want to tell anyone from her community or her sisters or anybody for that matter. Um, and so we hung up and I remember feeling like, you know, that dream you have when you wake up and you're, you kind of jolt yourself awake because you were falling. Mm, um, yeah. that's what it felt like. It felt like there was just no bottom and that I was just falling and falling and falling. And I thought, how am I going to crawl? How am I going to stop this? How am I going to, how am I going to grab onto something and pull myself out of this because it just feels like I, there's no there's no end to the horrible news and the people that are just pulling away from me and who's going to hold me and who's going to support me and who's going to hold my hand and I slammed my head into the steering wheel and I just remember thinking and kind of wailing really loud feeling very sorry for myself and this voice came into my head and I never had had a voice before <laughs> And it said, um, it said, Rachel, no one is going to do anything for you in this life unless you do it for yourself. So sit up, pull yourself together and figure it out. And I didn't know what any of that meant or how I was going to do that at that moment. I just knew that I had to do it on my own. And it's not to say that I don't have a loving family. It's just that I realized how strongly that desire and drive inside of me was to, um, to succeed and to make something out of what had happened. And so it was from that point on, um, I went on to win the Miss Florida pageant right out of college. And that led me to Miss America, which was different from Miss United States. But the experience of being Miss Florida, the training ground that that provided as far as networking, public speaking, traveling on my own, meeting people from all walks of life, discussing things on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. with senators and with um, executive directors of nonprofit organizations, all sorts of experiences that really molded and shaped me into the woman I am today that enabled me to take that skill set and um, go forward and to have the confidence to do all of that. So the main question I began asking myself was, how do I infuse this confidence and this unshakable knowledge that I am capable of anything I set my mind to into every single woman that I meet. That is amazing. Can I ask, when you're going through that journey, and I think many of us have gone through that when we're falling and we're just, and we have to kind of slap ourselves across the face a little bit to say, come on, you know what, there's only you that can sort this out. What, what was your drive? What was that to get to do all the things you just mentioned what was that what was that drive that motivated you to continue to do that not just to literally just go and get a nine-to-five job somewhere or you know to actually step up and up level yourself in the way you have I would say that's might be twofold one part of it might be one part of it is that I felt 
like I needed to prove something. And that might sound a bit um, counterintuitive to the work that all of us are doing in the world, to not worry about what others are thinking and to not think about what others are judging of my life. But I felt like everything up to that point um, might have looked like a failure to others, that my, my family had failed, that um, my father had essentially failed my family. Um, I was determined to not be a failure from my, from my lineage, from my family. Um, I wanted to, to change. I wanted it to be the opposite of what it had been my whole life. And my whole childhood was not this horrible, horrible thing. So I definitely don't want to put that out into the world, but um, it, it was, it was a bit, detrimental. It was a bit like bullying that happened when I was in, in grade school. Um, and it had formed and shaped the identity that I had. It had formed and became the person that I thought that I had to be and that I was. Um, so that was something. And then I would say the other aspect of that was watching my family. My, my grandmother was very much about serving others. Um, we had, my mother had been taking us to the local food pantries and soup kitchens and, and um, Habitat for Humanity is something we have over in the States. I'm not sure what it might be called over there, but we go to construction sites and we build homes for those in need. Um, the, it's a huge organization, but they always need volunteers. So we were always, always doing things like that. So I think there was just this strong internal desire to, um, to have a mission, to change the world. And I've, like I said, always hung out with my parents' friends. So I had this kind of, um, zoomed out perspective on the world. I've always looked at generational trends and tried to understand how the world might be changing, how, how this next generation can um, take the destruction and, and grow from it like a phoenix. Oh, I love that. That is amazing. I love that. And, what, and what, what's been, you know, through this journey and with what you do with educating others, and I want to talk about that in a moment, a bit more about what you do do. What What's been like the biggest struggle within your entrepreneurial journey today? You know, with everything, has there been, um, you know, for that and how you've overcome it, if, if there has been? That's awesome. I was actually just on the phone with a client going over this exact thing. Um, I think that it's, and I could be speaking incorrectly for men, but I think that among women, it's a little bit more prevalent to have something called imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah, yeah. And maybe they're better at internalizing it or not sharing it. But I think it's so important that as a community, we let that cat out of the bag, so to speak, that we talk about the imposter syndrome openly. Um, I'm, I'm open about that in my own Facebook group with my community that there are times and there are doubts that come up about is the work that I'm doing worthy? Am I, am, who am I to think that I can teach this stuff? Um, do I know enough? Have I learned enough? Are the certifications that I hold and the, the last 10 years that I've spent studying this information, is that enough? And um, that's definitely something that comes up. And the way that I deal with it and the way that I've learned to deal with it um, is one to go back to beginner's mindset to try and remember what it was like that day in the car whereas if someone had asked me to teach them what i am now able to teach that day sitting in the car where i was wailing and crying and feeling extremely sorry for myself um would i have 
even been able to come up with the tools and the ability and the um, mindset training and the um, presence and the ability to hold space and to ask the right questions, would I have been able to do that on that day? And that answer is absolutely not. I would not have been able to lead somebody to, um, to transformation, to change their entire mindset at that time in my life. So to know that the 10 years that I've put into um, studying this information is worthy of somebody wanting, uh, being able to pay for it and to be a part of what I teach is, um, is definitely something that I, I think about often and that I practice. And a, way, a great exercise for that is something that um, goes along with your gratitude journal if you're already keeping a gratitude journal. So I view gratitude journal as very much like uh, putting the gratitude out into the world, like thanking the universe, thanking God for blessings, for small things for your supportive family, for a roof over your head, whatever it might be. But then in addition to um, a few bullet points after the gratitude journal section is to write down a few brags, a few victories, some things that are just for you personally, if you're not comfortable with bragging to others, which I am not, um, to write things down. And so, for example, for me to write down that after not winning Miss America when I was 22 years old, to then go and study and put my head down and go to work and use my scholarship money to get to where I am today, only to go on and decide that I was going to go after that dream of holding a national title and go win Miss United States last year. That's something that I write down. And it's even uncomfortable for me to say it right now to you, um, but that's something Thing to write down because that is not something that everybody would go do. Not everybody would go try again. Um, and so I've, I've definitely learned that that's a unique trait, that that is something I need to be reminding myself of that I possess so that I can teach it to others. I think that's such, so spot on. It's similar to something I was speaking about in my community this morning about when if you're having some struggles in your entrepreneurial journey and just don't think you're getting the results or the right results, um, I use the analogy about a bamboo tree. You know, you've got to water a bamboo tree for up to four or five years and, to, and you, you can't see if it's growing or not. You don't have a clue what's going on underneath the soil. But then as soon as it pops up, it can take as little as six weeks to grow to three or four meters. And I suppose, is that what you're saying? So you remind yourself what you're doing and, and keep on that track and be grateful. But, you know, things are happening um, as long as you're getting it out there and being grateful for what you're doing what you've received. That's a great, great metaphor. Yeah. Um, another, yeah, it's like the Japanese word Kaizen, where it's incremental change over time without ever expecting perfection. And a lot of times we don't realize the tiny incremental changes that are happening day to day that add up to incredible growth and growth. Yeah, it's just so true. It's so true. And I want to talk about a little bit about with what you've just been saying there, you know, what you just say about what you do through that struggle just to say, is it enough? What do you think holds for people, well, women especially back um, from reaching their full potential because so many women I speak to and I'm sure you do it, it's always a lack of confidence but it's, it's as if it's like if they could achieve even half of their dream it would be amazing and I, I just find what do you think holds people back to go for their full potential and reaching the top the heights of what they really want in life hmm that was a tricky question. That is a big, 
question. I'm not, uh oh. What holds women, what holds women specifically back? I think definitely the perfectionism a lot. I I don't even think, I think it goes under-recognized how many of us have perfectionism syndrome or um, strive for perfection before we're ready to present something to the world, whether it be ourselves in a swimsuit or um, our business or even our business idea to speak it out loud for fear that others might laugh or make fun of it would feel detrimental, um, would feel like it's them saying, don't do that. It's not going to be prosperous. So just give up on your idea. So, so many men, I think just put it out there and they're so much better at not worrying about what others think. And so I think the way that we combat that is to have more open talks, like we discussed at the beginning, of vulnerability and authenticity and speaking in, into others' um, support and that we see their greatness. Because the more that we share, the more that we realize that walking in somebody else's shoes and feeling jealous or um, like we're craving what their life looks like starts to become less desirable because you're thinking, okay, well, I thought that her life on social media was perfect, but she's going through a divorce or she's going through losing her child or she just lost a pregnancy or her business um, is struggling or whatever it might be. And the more that we share with one another, I feel like the more progress is made because we are able to just quickly let go of those doubts or those thoughts that are holding us back because we realize that we're not alone in that and that that becomes your fuel. And it's not to say that we sit in victim mindset. We definitely can't stay there and only wallow and only share our downfalls. And it is just so important that we realize that we're all doing the best we can and perfectionism is a real thing. So to say that you're a recovering perfectionist rather than a perfectionist, I think is a wonderful reframe to be able to say, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I don't have to make the bed today, or I can just go ahead and put this blog out there, even though it's not perfect or the website's not perfect, but it's good enough and just put it out there um, is something that I've had to overcome in my own personal life and realizing that something that's done is better than perfect. And it's not to say that we don't want to put something out there of high quality, but it definitely is something that holds us back. And I think just sharing it with one another, talking about it in communities like what you and I have enables us to grow faster, enables us to see that we're not alone in in questioning in our doubts, that type of thing um, really helps a lot. Oh, do you know, that's so spot on. I completely agree with that. I remember when I started this podcast show, it was like, oh, I don't have the right equipment. I don't know. Oh, I, I'm never going to be, I don't really know what I'm doing. But actually, I got to a point where I thought, well, if I don't try and get out there and start interviewing great people like yourself, then I'll never do it. And I think you're right. People, that perfectionist does seem to always be a barrier, doesn't it? And it's trying to understand, don't worry about it. Just go out and do it and just see what happens. Yeah, and on that same in that same thought pattern, I think there's a lot to be said for pre-internet and pre-social um, media with people that were willing to innovate because it wasn't blasted all over social media when they didn't succeed. Right, like the Wright brothers coming up with. Um, 
finally flying an airplane. We don't have video of all the times that they failed. We only have the video of when they finally got it up in the air. Yeah. And so with social media, um, there's so much more pressure to only want people to see the highlight reel or the first million that you make or the the interview that you have on the doctors or Oprah. And I know for me, that was something it was like when I was on the doctors, the TV show here, I don't know if it gets played over there, but, um, that was like, Oh, I definitely want everybody to know about that because that says success. But what I want them also to know is that I have on my vision board to be on an interview with Oprah and to have my own, um, retreat every year that happens with women, but that hasn't happened yet. So it's gotta, we've got to share like both the victories and the things that we're striving for. Yeah, I think that, oh, spot on, absolutely. One thing I want to ask you is, um, I know you'll, you'll know from um, the work you do, women are so busy. We're, we're very busy with our lives. Um, some of us have multiple businesses. We've got children. Crikey, I've got a cat as well and a husband. <laughs> Christ, it gets very busy. Um, you know, I know that you work with, with strategies on how to get that, um, you know, that total balance in work and, and home. Would you be generous enough to share one little tip of, of an idea of what you can share to that really busy, aspiring female entrepreneur out there who's either beginning their journey or in their journey and, and they're like, I just don't know which way to turn. I'm very, very busy, you know, because it's hard to get that balance, isn't it? It is very hard to find that balance, especially in a world that glorifies busyness. Um, our society is moving faster and faster, and we have this immense pressure to keep up with the innovation. And so I have noticed that a lot of us feel guilty for sitting down and reading a book, that we feel guilty for going to bed early, or to be able to say to somebody, like they ask, how are you? And if they say, oh, I'm so busy, I only got three hours of sleep last night, I've got such a big day. We have yeah. been accustomed yeah. to feeling like that person is the gladiator and that the person that gets nine hours of sleep and feels well rested and went to yoga class is actually the lazier person. And so I think that there definitely has to be a mindset shift around that it's okay, that it's actually more productive, that you slept, that you went and took care of yourself by going to something like a yoga class or a fitness class, if that's what got your energy churning. And then you were productive because the energy that you're putting out into the world and the people that you come into contact with, you're going to have such a more authentic, real connection with them because you're not just running. Your mind's not just an autopilot. You're present. And so to think about how that actually affects our business relationships, um, when we're talking about entrepreneurs specifically, it's better. You have better connections. You're going to actually get more business because people are going to feel more comfortable around you because you're not flighty. You're not um, seemingly just like running off with your coffee to the next appointment. And I think we have got to end that epidemic that it's, um, I think Ellen DeGeneres makes a good joke about it. TBD, too busy disorder that we've got to stop glorifying three hours of sleep in an 18-hour workday. That doesn't even add up to 24 hours, but we've got to stop glorifying. <laughs> but I knew what you meant.
meant. So that was all right. I got it. I got it. The 21 hour work day and three hours of sleep. We have to yeah. stop glorifying that. Um, it is okay that you got plenty of sleep because that means you're going to be so much more effective in the world. So I praise that person who took the time to put on body lotion, to put on her night cream and to get a full night's rest because she can be so much more to others because she did those things. So to switch our mindset around that is something that's so vital. Um, and then a, a, a concrete practice I'd like to leave everybody with is to download an app in your phone, which sounds counterintuitive, but the app is called um, Simply Being. And I think it costs $1.99, I think, or a dollar. And it um, is a very simple app to use. You can set the timer to 5, 10, 15, 20, or 30 minutes. Um, you can start out with five minutes and it's a guided meditation app and you can put in your headphones and use it anywhere. I use it on airplanes a lot of times. Um, when they're boarding the plane, I put it for 20 minutes. And so it's a, a woman is speaking and she's guiding you through breathing and just letting go. And then you can choose the background music. And a lot of times I fall asleep with her as well, which is um, like falling asleep while meditating, but that's totally okay. I, you have permission to do that. And then a lot of times if I'm um, on in a parking lot, maybe five minutes early for an appointment, I'll put it on for five minutes. Also, um, where I live, we drive a lot. So if I'm on the highway, I will put it on and I just don't listen to the radio. I don't listen to loud music. I'll put on this app and play it through my car. And it helps me to just find peace, calm, presence, space, whatever it is you might be needing. So to really implement a guided meditation into your life is a great place to start if the word meditation kind of gives you the, the willies. <laughs> no, I, and I know some of it does, but I, I'm a champion to meditation, so I think that's a fantastic tip, a fantastic piece of guidance, and thank you so much. I would love, love, um, Rachel, that when we finish this podcast, you send me your links so we can share them, your community, and how people can contact you. But in the meantime, do you want to just say on the actual show how people can contact you? Of course. Yeah. Everything online is racheltodd.com. That's R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And then Todd, just like the guy's name, T-O-D-D. And on social media, you can find me on any platform at the Rachel Todd. I've made them all congruent. <laughs> oh, brilliant. That's fantastic. And you have a community as well. Did you just say that? Oh, I didn't. It's called The Balanced Entrepreneur. And actually, I went live in The Balanced Entrepreneur while you and I were talking so that I can then send them right back to your group. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. That's so lovely. I've really, really enjoyed this. You've just given some amazing insights. I think, I think you really are amazing to actually, at a young age, with, with what was going on, to actually think, you know what, I'm going to change and sort things out and you know, drive myself into a direction which you're now in a position to help other women and empower and educate. And that's a gift that I think is amazing um, that you're blessed with. So thank you for that. Um, until next week, guys, I'm speaking to so another amazing woman. But Rachel, thank you again, once again, for joining us on the Stepping Into Greatness podcast. I really think you're an inspiration. Thank you so much. That means so much. It doesn't ever gets old hearing that. Thank you. We all need encouragement, no matter how, how big and great um, it may look from the outside. So remember that um, um, everybody needs that bolstering and that support. No, you're so right. Thank you again, Rachel. And thank you a lot, guys, for listening. Until next week, take care.
Bye, Rebecca.